0: he talked about hospitality because he saw that value and he defined it. I don't know where he got it from, but he said, hospitality is love of stranger. And Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, that just, that was perfect. Mm -hmm. I thought that really summed it up because I think so many churches want to be welcoming. They want to be hospitable. I mean, there's no church that you'll go to who says, yeah, that's not a priority to them, Mm -hmm. but I think it takes so much intentionality. It takes so much, preparation and back work to truly be a place where people feel comfortable and loved and welcomed and wanted and valued and all of these things.
1: Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. Hello, Seekers. Today I bring you not one, but two guests who work in tandem to make amazing things happen. This power couple, Nick and Hannah Brzozowski, are pioneers, champions, and new pastors in our community. I met Nick in the spring of 2020 at Lincoln Square Indoor Winter Market, and he was making balloon animals to draw people in for conversation, and that about sums him up. The two moved here in October of 2019 to start Anchor, a non-denominational Christian church that's trying to do church in a different way. And they sure started off different, trying and successfully launching Anchor in the midst of the pandemic. With creativity, mutual love, and lots of grace and humor, they work together to think outside the box and draw together a church family of diverse, encouraging, and accepting people. Their church community is built on a foundation of service, thoughtful hospitality, and a belief that no one should be scared to go to church. At Anchor, relationships outshine rules, and openness outshines opposition. And both Nick and Hannah exemplify this in all their interactions. So get ready. It's time to meet the founders and pastors of Anchor Church and learn more about how they complement and support one another in building and sustaining a new kind of church in a new kind of world. Coming up this spring is the two-year anniversary of both of you leaving your jobs and your home and your life in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So why don't you start with telling the story about what inspired you to really change direction and start a new church here?
0: So starting a church for me was a dream of mine just about my whole life. I could remember being a kid and our church was actually talking about what they call church planting. And I was like the most excited for it in the entire church. There's a little half sheet that they gave out, like little prayer request for what's happening. I kept it on my bulletin board. Well, the church never ended up doing that. The plan was to start like three new churches and it fell through. And, but I kept that, that little half sheet on my bulletin board and I kept praying for it. And it was just like, you know, the, it never really panned out at that time, but that seed was definitely planted in me and that passion that sparked for me to see what new things God can do, to see what kind of impact a church can make and how we can bring hope to more people and advance the kingdom in that way. So that's always been a passion of mine. Um yeah. I don't know you can probably talk I, about
2: I was a lot more nervous about it. Yeah. Um, I'm much more like thinking worst case scenarios so the idea of church planning was like terrifying. So Mick was constantly bringing it up and then uh finally he went away for a weekend and I just had some time alone with God and I was like okay I need to figure this out because he kept on bringing it up and he was like I'm not going to do this if you're not into it and so I had a moment with God and I was just like I don't know what's going on. And I was reading these books and the book was Magnolia story by Chip and Joanna Gaines. Mm -hmm. And in the book, Chip is constantly encouraging Joanna to like take risks and take that next step and all this stuff. And I just read it. And I was like, this is me and Nick like all the time. He's constantly like, let's do this. And I'm like, no, that's too scary. So he came back um, from being out of town. And then we had a conversation and I was like, okay, let's jump into this. So that was kind of my story of like finally getting to the point of like, OK, risk is a good thing, um, even though it can be terrifying. So, yeah,
0: yeah, it's funny. It's uh, it makes me think of uh, what you just said about everything is spiritual. Everything is sacred. Even a book by Chip and Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> you made that a thought That uh-huh. fixer upper could be. Uh huh. Be- the yeah. most spiritual experience. <laughs> you have
1: in your life. Well, that's true, though, because I think when you are attuned and present to the world around you, I think God can talk with you in lots of different ways, Absolutely. Um, whether it be a song on the radio. Um, somebody was talking with me about making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich um, <laughs> and made that a spiritual experience. So, yeah, when you're reading a, a book about uh, remodeling. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was not expecting that. The people in Starbucks around me was like, probably like, what the heck is going on? I was like in tears. And <laughs> like, like, like,
1: wow, am a big fan. But <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you know, you get that quiet nudge and, and that's when the tears start falling, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So moving from Kenosha to Champaign-Urbana must have been a big change for you. So what made you move to this area and why did you choose this community?
2: Yeah, we got connected with an organization called Converge. um, And they have like a network of church planners in Northern Illinois. And so we went to a meeting with them and we knew we wanted to be like have people in our corner that had already done this before. So that was really important to me because I was like, well, we've never done this. So we want to learn from other people. And so we went to that meeting. We felt really good about it. And then we drove around Illinois and was just praying and asking God where we should go. We drove to four different cities. Um, Champaign was the furthest away. And when we got here, we were driving downtown Champaign and we saw the lights over by um, like Cowboy Monkey Aroma Cafe area. And that was a moment for me. I was like, okay, I can see this happening like it looked like a cool up and coming city. And then we went to a cafe the next day and I got like the best caramel latte. (laughs) And I thought, okay, I could see myself living here. And we were right across from the university and we were just looking up all the stats and um, all the influence that comes out of the city. And it was just like this moment of like, okay, I think this is it. But it it was a really scary thing because we didn't see like a billboard, like move here, you know, we got a good Mm -hmm. caramel latte and we're like, is this it? You know, it's like kind of that God can speak through anything kind of moment. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. definitely steal it from me when I saw that there was a double decker Panda Express.
1: That was, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, our coach told us this is that, you know, sometimes when you're trying to discern God's leading, for some reason we have in the back of our minds that we think we're going to hate it that must be God. You know, God's going to send us to somewhere where we're going to be miserable. We're going to be unhappy. And that's probably where God wants to lead us. And we kind of had a moment like that. One of the cities we went into was really broken down, needed a lot of help, needed a lot of TLC. And that was the one we were considering the most besides Champaign-Urbana. And we had that moment where we talked to each other. We said, well, where would we want to be? Mm-hmm. And we decided, oh, hands down, we want to be here. Mm-hmm. We This is a place where we would love to do ministry and meet people and reach people. So we kind of let our desires sort of be that. that yeah.
1: Just- yeah, it doesn't have to be hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can be delighted and do God's work too. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, right. it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to to look a certain way. So yeah, that's that's a really great notice on your part that you initially were drawn to maybe something that was going to be a little bit more slogging through it or going to someplace that, yeah, I'm super happy to be here. And that then energizes the work that you're going to be doing. So that's really great. So you guys are complete package and you do your work together as a married couple. But one of the unique things about you is that you have different strengths and you show up really, really well as unique individuals and neither one of you is below or less than the other. So what roles do each of you take in this ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I think in one sense, I'm more of the visionary And HANA is more operations. I've heard that in a a book uh, interview with the concept of predictable success. And there's three uh, kinds of leaders. There's the visionary, the operations, and then processor. So operations just wants to get things done, finish things. The visionary wants to start things, gets excited for new ideas. And then the processor is somewhere in between where things through the systems. and I think we have a little mm-hmm. bit of processor in both of us, but well, that's one way we compliment, but I feel like we're still discovering where we work and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Hana's discovering more and more areas of leadership or um, mm-hmm. areas of like speaking out more. So that's kind of been a lot of my role is kind of, you know, being the visible spotlight, but we're we're trying to push Hana into the spotlight more and more. And then I'm trying to learn more uh, technical things too, and more detail stuff mm-hmm. too. So like I took on video editing, um, we were kind of sharing it and that was getting kind of hard. So I decided I'll take that on since Hannah's heading up all the social media, she's heading up all of the um, graphics and things. I mm-hmm. thought that was one thing that, I, you know, one skill I can learn because I'm pretty big picture. So some of the details and technical things intimidate me. Mm-hmm. So that was a good challenge for me to kind of learn and stuff, but. Yeah. yeah. All that to say, like, we're, we're learning, we're growing, we're figuring it out kinda, yeah, we're still each step fi- of the way.
2: Figuring out our roles and stuff. Cause a lot of times we're doing a lot of stuff together. And so like we were talking about Easter yesterday. So we're sitting down and talking together. And at the end of it, we're like, okay, I'm going to take this part. Um, and you're going to take the other part. Like I was going to take on, um, we're doing like a combination of the gospels um, of the resurrection story. And so I'm going to type that up and figure that out. And then Nick was going to do like the promo, like the emails and all that stuff. So it kind of depends on the project that we're doing, but I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, And since COVID's so different, we haven't had church in person. We've only done one service in person. So we're still figuring that out, like different teams and stuff that we're going to have in the future. We're still figuring out where we're taking on what.
0: yeah, Yeah. One more thing that came to mind was, uh, a few months ago, we thought, you know what, we're starting to grow, we're starting to get more people. Uh, we've got to have a better structure, we've got to divide up lines better. And we just, that didn't settle right for us. And so um, we're going to hold out and be more, uh, I don't know, organic, less organized, which kind of goes against us in a sense, because <laughs> we're very much like planners and stuff. But like, we're not going to make these hard lines just yet. Just because it, it feels right. It feels good to know that, like, we're sharing the load. Yeah, and we're depending on each other a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. So we were going to, like, say, okay, the all these areas are you, all these areas are you, and then we'll find people to be underneath us, more of an org chart kind of uh, structure. And we just thought, you know what? Uh, we're not, we don't want to do that yet. Maybe we're just in a season where we just want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, predictable success talks about there's the startup phase and then there's the fun phase. And then you need more structures to mm-hmm. come along. And we're like, let's enjoy the fun phase right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So, Hannah, what are your views about women's roles in ministry? A lot of more traditional institutional churches, women take on more traditional roles and maybe don't have leadership opportunities or ministry opportunities, or they're a little bit more limited to family and children ministry. What's your views about where women are showing up in the church that you're working on growing and Mm -hmm. your role in the partnership that is leading this?
2: Yeah, so I come from a pretty conservative background. And so at the church that I grew up in, it's different now, but it was very much like women were teaching Sunday school. And that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe serving lunch or something like that. Women couldn't serve communion, couldn't like do all these different things. So I had an experience a few years ago that we had like a consultant come into our old church and kind of shake things up a bit and have some conversations. And he really saw leadership in me. And so even though I was like one of two women in the room of like 15 guys, he was like, Hannah, I'm going to have you pray at the end of this meeting. And like constantly did that like the whole weekend and would constantly be like, Hannah, what do you think? And like that like made me feel because I was a secretary at that point. And so I definitely felt like, oh, I'm just here to like, serve the guys. Like I don't say much. I just write down Mm -hmm. notes. Um, And so that empowered me to think, wait, I can do more than take notes. Like I'm good at taking notes, but I can do more than that. And so from there, I kind of got a different title and really grew into that role. But then as I've taken on this new role of church planning, that's a whole different beast because now it's Nick and I as the leaders. And so we're taking that on. So I'm still investigating like where I see like women in the Bible and how they're leading there. And it's been really exciting the past couple months of just looking into like Mary Magdalene was the first one to see Jesus and how she was sent back to the disciples, like Jesus, chose women to deliver that message and the most important message in the world, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. And then just seeing like uh, Joanna was like, she was another one of the women at the tomb and uh, how she was influential and helped fund Jesus's ministry. And like, um, it's just been an exciting ride to see how women were so instrumental to the spreading of the gospel. And then how now in the church today, we can, in the past, we've kind of shoved women down and such a shame. So I'm still investigating and seeing uh, what I think of like the title of pastor. Nick is a lot more like, yeah, you're a pastor, you're doing this, but I'm like, I'm a lot more careful. I don't know um, about that. And so I'm investigating, I'm getting there. I was talking to another, uh, a woman pastor the other day, and she was kind of encouraging me in that and stuff. So I'm on like a journey with it because I come from such conservative roots. And so I want to do what I believe is right in that. I hope that makes sense. So.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. So what is it like for you both to be kind of immersed in this 24-7 as a married couple. So you're working together, you're living together, you're quarantined sometimes together. What's that been like for you? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, we actually had a conversation a couple weeks ago, because we needed to set up some boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was like a moment that like, we were about to go to sleep. It was like 10 o'clock at night, I started venting about something. And Nick got stressed out, got up, grabbed the phone. He's like, well, I got to write this down. And he got mad at me. And like, so we had to set up some boundaries of like, okay, if we're in the bedroom, we're not going to talk about church. We need to do that outside of the bedroom. And we also like came up with this thing, like after our groups that we have, like Nick was like texting people right away. And we discovered that I need that affirmation first before he affirms other people of saying, oh, you did a great job tonight or something. Like, I'm like, we need to have a 10 minute conversation and just to be brief Then I'm good. And then we can go and text different people. But so figuring out those different things, it's been fun. So, huh. so we worked together at our old church, So, but we didn't work as closely together. Yeah. Um, so I was operations leader at that church, and then he was youth pastor. So we kind of, we overlap sometimes. But for the most part, we are kind of on our own. So doing this together has been a
1: learning experience, especially with quarantine and stuff. Yeah, because like you're in your home. It's not like you're going to an office or anything, too. So yeah. just it's, moving down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: exactly so I I feel like every day we're growing more in that like when we can interrupt each other and when we can't and like you know that kind of thing Mm
1: -hmm. um,
2: just
0: figuring that out so yeah I mean we do goofy things well not goofy but like we try to protect the boundaries so we realize it's better to send a text even if you're in the other room than to interrupt what they're doing so Mm -hmm. that communicates you know whenever you're ready I had a question for you or whatever Mm -hmm. We'll send each other emails constantly now. We realize that's that's just helpful. If we know like we're working on something, it, we'll get it done a lot more productively, a lot more efficiently. If it's through email, then when we're together, then we start talking about this conversation we had. And then, they, you know, it's easier to kind of, well, you know, something that could have been 10 minutes t- turns into an hour. <laughs> so, you know, we're working through that stuff. But yeah. Yeah, um yeah in the bedroom no more talking about work mm-hmm. but it's hard because you know married couples you know I think a healthy thing for married couples to do is at the end of the day, how was your day? Right. So yeah. how do we not talk about work? That was our day. Uh-huh.
1: And so. it's a safe space. I mean, I think sometimes that that sanctuary um, of a married bedroom is a place where you can really be vulnerable and you can let your hair down and and somebody has to go to sleep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying,
0: we're still working through it. I don't know. Like uh, if something's bothering you, we want to talk through it. We want to be there for each other, mm-hmm. but then sometimes the difficulty is, yeah. Then it kind of bleeds into, Oh man, what's bothering Hana is something that I feel responsible to have to correct. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to fix it now at 10 o'clock at night, but Knowing me, I'm gonna forget about this, and then the problem is gonna linger. So, so I'm like, I gotta write it down. And but then I, I yeah, Hannah's definitely right. Like I've got, uh, I can get worked up, I can get frustrated, and so I'm the worst sometimes. I so many times I'll say, no, no, Hannah, talk to me. You can vent to me. (laughs) I'm putting on the husband hat. Vent. I want to be just let it all out. (laughs) And then she does, and I think, how was there. that there were so many thoughts inside of your head. I had no idea so much was wrong with the world. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm
2: definitely, really, I don't know if you know the Enneagram, but I'm going to type six. And so uh-huh. I case a scenario all the time. And so Nick thinks everything's great. And I'm like, there's so many things that could go
1: wrong. So uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> what are you, Nick? What, what number are you?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to type one Which means I'm a perfectionist. Uh I can be hard on myself, hard on others, um, critical. And so, like, I'm ending the day thinking we're getting better. We're better today than we were yesterday. And then I hear all these problems. I'm like, we're going to fail. Like, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) not working. Everyone's going to leave us. <laughs> so, yeah, it messes with me. So, yeah. Um,
1: oh, I totally under. I can relate to that so much because I'm at Enneagram 8. And so not only do I think of all the things in, the, in my inner circle that are wrong, but I'm aware of all the things in the whole world that are wrong.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh man.
1: That's- 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 all the justice problems in the world and all oh, the people... No. Are being underserved and
2: yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. see, yeah, I, I don't, I don't huh. complain about worldly problems, like out there problems. <laughs> <I>? <laughs> Very sure. personal when I'm talking. Yeah.
0: yeah. Huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which I prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: Plus, women are just caretakers in general, so we have to think about some of those things and yeah. and all the all the people that need to be. Be served and taken care of, and and happen. So, and that's actually a really great transition because one of the core values of Anchor, and um, Hannah also mentions it in her bio on the website, is that connection through hospitality. And so, what does hospitality mean mean to you both?
2: Yeah, um... I like what Brit said. I don't remember. Nick has a much better
1: memory. We have
0: a church planning pastor in Kenosha who gave us some advice before we moved. And he talked about hospitality because he saw that value. And he defined it. I don't know where he got it from, but he said, hospitality is love of stranger. And I, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that just, that was perfect. Mm -hmm. I thought that really summed it up because I think so many churches want to be welcoming. They want to be hospitable. I mean, there's no church that you'll go to who says, yeah, that's not a priority to them. Mm -hmm. But I think it takes so much intentionality, it takes so much preparation and back work to truly be a place where people feel comfortable and loved Mm -hmm. and welcomed and wanted and valued and all of these things there's so much and so i mean that's been a huge priority to hana she was head of the host team at our former church and she killed it i mean she crushed it she brought a team from basically just you know random people who maybe you know two greeters on a sunday morning who had no sort of direction or leadership kind of pouring into them To It was this massive team when she was done, there were like 40 people on this host team that did everything. And they, you know, we had people greeting in the, in the parking lot as people were driving up waving to them. I mean, big smiles, People would remember people's names and track it down and say, you know, try to, you know, find them the next week and say hello and see how they're doing. You know, I mean, it was just a world of difference, transformed the culture of our church and even the team itself. Like, I I just was so impressed. Hannah would have um, team members talk about how much this team has become a family to them, Mm -hmm. that like a team that was there to show hospitality and welcoming people um, became like this place that helped them belong a guy who had been a part of the church for 10 years always saw that church as his brother's church until he joined the host team and he's like wow i feel like this is my church and my family now
2: Mm
0: -hmm. so i I was just blown away by everything hana was able to do so that that was uh definitely a priority going into
2: Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. yeah and so now since obviously we haven't had services in the same way now my whole plan <laughs> is ru- like was ruined. Cause I was like, Oh, well I'll do host team and that will, I know how to do this, you know, like, and so now it's like, Oh, well we need to be hospitable in, in different ways. So that might mean texting people and seeing how they're doing, how we can pray for them or, um, you know, inviting them to a group or saying that we miss them, like that kind of thing. It's also like during the culture of our groups is making sure that people can like, ask questions and be comfortable in those groups too Mm. and so hospitality during a pandemic has been very different than hospitality before and so um, sending cards or um, I sent like Galentine's cards out to the women in the church like last month and so just a little thing just to say hey I care about you I see you you know I think just those little touches are really important. And so we actually like Nick got a text the other day from a guy in the church and like we sent him a thank you note and he was like, you guys are some of the most caring people I've ever met. And like, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, cause it was just a thank you note. Like it wasn't anything crazy. And so just to see, oh, this effort that we're putting forward to make people feel loved, like it's working, like they Mm -hmm. do feel loved. And so it's been hard, but we've kind of figured it out.
0: I yeah. think that, <laughs> I think one thing that's really helped me is um, I can be very insecure, and I can be very much like after a meeting's done. Constantly thinking about, oh, why'd I say it like that? Or, you know, after I say something stupid on a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) maybe that wasn't great. (laughs) And so to try to leverage that to think, well, maybe someone else could be feeling kind of insecure or can be uh, overthinking something. And what could we do to help? with that so a lot of times it's the bookends of a meeting so trying to be extra enthusiastic when we first greet somebody when we first meet them and then at the end you know thanking them for their time we'll send out a couple texts to people in our groups just thanking them for sharing especially if somebody shared something pretty personal we want to make sure that we appreciated it and um that they don't, they're they're not, you know, stewing on it, thinking, oh man, what do people think of me? I shouldn't have said that. Oh, what was I thinking? Um, but to really honor that as as a sign of strength and not something that they need to feel bad about. So yeah, but I, I think it helps when I realize just how my insecurities can actually become a little bit of a, a leverage for what others might need.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and then seeing all the people behind you in that mirror too. Um, And so, if you can see yourself with honesty and vulnerability, you can see those same traits and characteristics in others. And that's a really beautiful gift. So, there's not a whole lot of people that I've met that at least can articulate it and talk about it in the way that you just did. So, that's pretty beautiful. So, thank you. Um, There is, just to kind of follow up on that, I think… I hear all the time that people wish that they had better relationships or wish that they had closer friendships. And so, do you just have a tip or an idea? Um, you both shared some really good things that you've done with the church, but how can somebody kind of take those same principles and maybe use it in their personal life to build relationship?
0: Well, the first thing that came to my mind was joining one of our anchor groups. <laughs> because I'll tell you, for me, like relationships don't come naturally. I think a lot of it, at least for me, comes from come from a drug abuse home um, as a kid. And so emotionally connecting with another person, there's something missing there. There's a bit of a, I don't know, a like gap or something with me. And so I've got, I've grown in that area, but you know, I've been honest with some of my best friends in Kenosha, telling them, hey, can we plan a time to talk? Because I know that I'm going to be very task driven. And I'm not going to remember to reach out to you. And it's going to be a year until we talk and we catch up and stuff. And I don't want that to happen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of recognizing that, um, you know, you've got to plan for it, and you've got to put it in your schedule. So, but it's with that in mind, that we've, designed our anchor groups. Um, I I read this book, People Fuel by uh, John Townsend. And he talks about how um, so many successful people are relationally deficient. And because of that, they're missing out on being far better equipped to to lead than they are right now. And so because of that, what they're missing, and he, he relates it to physical nutrients, he says, we all have relational nutrient needs. And he breaks it down into... 22 relational nutrients. And after reading that book, I'm like, I need that. I need that. And I thought, how can I get that? And then I thought, well, churches have small groups, but the small groups aren't really designed for that. A lot of times the small groups are more designed toward learning and acquiring knowledge about the Bible. Typically, a, a small group that I, at least I've been a part of has been a lot more dissecting a passage in the Bible and finding out what it really means. So what we've done with our groups is a little different is um, we focus more on those relational nutrients. And when we do engage the Bible, it's more uh, toward the application. So we kind of take verses and texts that are a little more um, the lower hanging fruit. Like it's a little more obvious because a lot of the Bible is pretty easy to understand. Anyone can understand it. Um, Living it is a lot harder. So a lot of times what we'll do is we'll have these questions that are, geared toward what are your experiences? How does this work for you? So we're drawing out these opportunities for relational nutrients to be known and heard and validated and accepted and encouraged those kinds of things relationally that we need. And then we'll have a question about, well, you know, the Bible talks about show compassion to one another. What's one thing you could be doing to show better compassion? So really leaning on the the application point. So I've just we've been tinkering with it all year long. And I am so, so much of a fan of these groups. This is the kind of group I want to be a part of. These are the kind of groups that are transforming my life. And so, as far as like relationships, like how do people forge these good relationships? I think um, in general, put it in your schedule. But if you want help with that, this is, you know, I think Anchor's biggest gift to people is here's an opportunity to form meaningful relationships. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I think authenticity too is really important is being (laughs) saying like, you're not okay or whatever. And I think that's just something that the groups have taught me is just being like, the questions sometimes are a little harder. They're pretty personal. And so you're like, oh, well, I'm the leader of this group. I have to answer this too. And so we've had some really like personal conversations and we're not even in the same room, you know, cause it's all over zoom. And I never would have imagined that mm-hmm. that could happen, but just by people like leading the way in vulnerability and our group leaders doing that and stuff has been really cool. And I think I've grown a lot just being like a part of it, which is pretty awesome.
0: That's funny. That makes me think of a, a quote I heard from a podcast that like, there's a difference between vulnerability and transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, transparency, you're talking about yourself. Vulnerability, you're talking about yourself, but afterward, you feel that pit in your stomach. Mm -hmm. You're not being truly vulnerable unless afterward... You're really nervous, like you feel it. You're super insecure. like that actually shows that you've made progress, that you've done something significant. So
2: that's been Nick's new thing. Whenever I'm like, oh, I don't know why I said that, or you know, like you know, he's like, that's good. That's a good (laughs) sign. That means you should, you know, vulnerable. Not if I said something mean or stupid or something.
0: I can be the worst. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, and I really have learned a lot from Brené Brown, and she talks Mm -hmm. a lot about vulnerability. Uh Yeah. Uh,
0: someone else. He was probably borrowing it from her. I'm sure the, I, I love her, the vulnerability hangover. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so other than groups, I really liked what you were saying, Hana, about sending notes and cards. And that's actually been one of my goals for 2021 is to send five cards every week to people. But what other tips or advice can you provide about how to create some more authentic connections and relationships?
2: Another way is like appreciating people, which kind of goes to the notes and stuff, but like texting somebody after you're hanging out or something like that and be like, Hey, just so you know, like I really appreciated you hanging out with me tonight. Like, I think that's really needed. And sometimes we take people for granted Mm -hmm. we just, Oh, they're always going to be there or whatever. And I think moving to a new city and stuff, I've definitely realized like friendships are super important and trying to invest in those friendships and stuff. And so I think texting somebody after hanging out and I mean, Nick was kind of talking about that too, of just like, they might be feeling nervous. Like maybe they feel weird and I want to make sure that they know that I appreciate them for really being a part of my life and stuff and never like just taking them for granted all the time. Cause I think we can do that a good amount. So I think that would be mine. Or, I mean, I invite people to coffee a lot just to talk. And so that's just how I do it sending the Galentine's cards or sending different cards out. I don't know. One of my friends was starting a new job the other day. And so I dropped off like a little plant at her house and was like, this is just for your new exciting step in your life, like taking note. Um, I'll put like, if I hear, that something is going on in somebody's life, I'll put like an alert in my phone so that I remember, like, I think that like if somebody shares, Oh, I'm buying a new house or I'm doing this or like taking a new big step in their lives. Mm -hmm. I want to be there for them in that moment. And just like say, Hey, I actually thought of you today. Um, I can think of uh, one of my friends today is doing her last bout of chemo. And so I put that in my phone to text her and just say, Hey, I'm praying for you today. I'm thinking of you today, you know? So, Mm -hmm. uh, Taking note when people share things with you
1: because yeah. I appreciate it when
2: people do that for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've
1: had to do that, too. I have a running list in my in my planner of just notes or or things. And I found a new app called Echo, which is a, a prayer app. And so you can stick people in the app and what it is that you want to pray for them or what it is that you want to note for them. And then it'll um, either randomly pull it up or pull it up on a specific day. And you can set intervals about when you want to be notified. It's the coolest thing. So, one of my pastor friends from North Carolina shared it with me on Facebook and yeah. I downloaded it immediately and it's been fabulous. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's
1: cool. Uh-huh. It's very, very cool.
2: Yeah, I wrote that down.
1: <laughs> so I've gotten to know Nick a little tiny bit when you all started coming to the area and I A couple of the conversations that I had with him, one of the things that struck me and really impressed me was your sense of openness and willingness to just learn and engage in dialogue, even when you got tough questions or were asked about things that may not be totally in alignment with all of your personal beliefs And so one of the reasons why people are turning away from the church is that sometimes those hard questions aren't allowed or encouraged, and there really isn't open dialogue about relevant issues of the day and the things that are on people's minds that they're wrestling with. But you've been so intentional about having these organized conversations and open dialogue where you invite those challenging questions, and you even have... um, uh, I saw you started a group around uh, learning about and dialoguing about racial equity. So talk a little bit about what your experience has been like around this and what what you've had the opportunity to learn about yourselves and the people that you're connecting with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I might, I'll give you the long story on, on some of this, uh, just because, just to give an idea of just my motive for all that is... Um, when I was, I come from a very broken family, um, never met my dad. My mom was a heroin addict, alcoholic. Um, I came to um, following Jesus when I was very young. I was about six. I remember um, when the pastors come to my house, sharing the message of Jesus with my mom. And at six, I remember thinking about eternity and heaven and hell. And I thought, I want to know Jesus. And that kind of weight has never left me. That sort of this is a big deal. This is an important message that people need to have. This is hope right here. And so, um, you know, that's kind of been locked in through different experiences as a teenager. I had a cousin die of a drug overdose, which just brought me face to face with eternity. Um, I had a friend my freshman year. Um, take his own life. And I, I will never forget meeting his parents at the funeral and seeing that look in their eyes of pain and agony. But they also at the same time knew that I was reaching out to him and that I was trying to share God and Jesus with him and um, how much that meant to them. Just transform my life. I mean, really like that was a moment where I knew what my life was for, was to help spread this hope to people. And so the way I see things is just almost entirely out of that lens is what could help people be more open to this message? Because people have heard the message, Jesus died for my sins, you know, ever you can't find anyone in America who hasn't heard that. So what are the barriers keeping people from understanding it from, um, uh, you know, maybe what what is it that's keeping people from uh, being open to it, things like that. And so um, when we first moved to Champaign, that's kind of what we were doing is we we're asking people their spiritual stories. And, and I realized right away is that the way I even ask people the question uh, turns people off. I didn't realize, um, you know, I thought it was, it was always polite just to ask questions, but sometimes even asking questions can be pretty intimidating and can be hard. And so asking somebody, well, why don't you go to church? Um, Asking that has made some people pretty uncomfortable. And so um, learning about the different hurt that people have had from church, the different shame that's around it. And uh, just one source of the shame was the fact that I am wrong. There's something wrong with me if I'm thinking in these lines. If I'm asking these questions, that must mean I'm inferior or I'm bad. I'm evil. Maybe I'm like those that God doesn't love. You know, all these, there's just these shameful things that just attack your identity. And a lot of it is around this whole, if you're even posing the question, if you're even considering those things. So, so to me, I'm like, okay, Easy we're going to invite these questions because this is something keeping people from Jesus is this kind of fear of what will people think of me if I ask this, if I go there. And so we decided we're going to ask it, we're going to go there and we're going to be the first ones who speak up, especially when we're uncomfortable. So yeah, you brought up, we have a Facebook group that's asking questions about, and has, you know, trying to get conversation around issues of racism, racial reconciliation And so um, what we've been doing is every week we ask a question, but then we're the first ones to answer that question Mm -hmm. as sort of self-deprecating in our answers as possible. We don't want to position ourselves as the hero, but we want to position ourselves as here's where we're working on it. Here's where we're not sure here's you know, and uh, especially when it comes to, you know, racism in America, there was definitely a learning curve that I've been going through over the last ever since this summer, this past summer. Um, so much I didn't know, so much I've had to learn and discover and and um, ask people. Um, I, I handled it terrible at first. I remember we had our first meeting after George Floyd and um, we just kind of kept it rolling along. There were all these things we wanted to talk about. And um, I would, a couple of times in the meeting I asked questions and people were pretty quiet. And so at one point I'm like, what's going on guys? And somebody just said something that really stuck with me. She said, um, you've got to be aware that for a lot of people right now, it's kind of like we're in the midst of a funeral and me just trudging along business as usual was so insensitive to what a lot of people were experiencing. And so, um, I just learned how much I was unaware (laughs) when it comes to, um, especially this in particular. So, um, yeah, we're 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 trying all we can to kind of to make it a safe place, make it a place where you're you're not going to be ashamed if you get it wrong. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah, you pretty much covered it. I, right?
0: I kind of yeah, I, I covered
2: it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I Nick, just, it.
2: Nick isn't passionate about that
0: at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I get, I get fiery when I see like. The, the thing that gets me, I think, the most, like, maybe, you know, they call it righteous anger. The thing that I feel okay about getting mad at is when I see a, a preacher or a pastor or any kind of person in ministry say, this is the only way church should be done. This is the only way, this is the only way someone should think. This is the only way uh, ministry should happen. I get so mad because there's just, you know, it. it it hits a nerve in a couple of ways for me, being an Enneagram one. I'm like, no, we could always do it better. Come on, there's always more possibilities. We can be more effective. We can be more loving. We can grow better. You know, so it irks me in that way. Like, what? Since when did Jesus say church has to be three songs in a and a 45 minute message? Jesus never said that. So um, that irks me. But then the other thing is, I I see that arrogance and that sort of pride and that. There's a judgment in the tone so many times of the speaker who says, this is the way things are. And I just, I feel like every time a preacher says that he scares 10 more people for, or, or maybe scares or um, pushes 10 more people away from church and away from God a lot of times. And so it gets me so, so frustrated when I see that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And so one of the things that you all have just done an amazing job with, and I know it was kind of outside the box for you and outside of your realm of experience, but you've just done an amazing job about um, being present on social media and doing fun and engaging videos and, and just being super authentic and you've showcased yourselves, you've you've opened yourselves up, you've um, showcased your members, you've showcased your community. So how's your view of what church is or what church could be or should be changed or evolved at all? Um, and to kind of go off what you were just saying, how can it look different for people now and moving forward into the rest of the the twenties?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for us, we like like you said, we kind of do church differently. Um, a lot of some churches aren't super active on social media or they think that's not church. you know, there's all those different kind of like what Nick was talking about there with there's one way to do it. Um, and so we've been really kind of open to wherever God is leading in that way. And so with us, we're like, well, we have to do, we have to launch online. Like that was, we did our grand opening online. And so we're like, that's kind of odd. Not many churches can say that. Um And we've kind of come to the point that we think monthly church might be the way to go for us. And so we have a month and by church, I mean, church service, because churches, you know, whenever people are gathered. But, um, for us, it's a monthly church service on the second Sunday of the month. And that's like, you know, the three songs and a message kind of thing. Um, but then our groups are really where it's at. So that's our community building and that's when we're growing together and people like can't go unnoticed in a group. When you go to a church service, you can go unnoticed if you want to go, you know, you can sneak in the back, sneak out early, you know, but at a group, like we're going to notice that you're there And um, we want to hear your opinion and what you think about things and everything, and just the way that we've structured the groups and having those open-ended questions that you don't necessarily have to believe to belong um, or to answer those questions. And so um, that's kind of how we're doing it. Um, Like Nick said, we don't like to say, like, this is the way church should go. For us personally in this moment and where God has kind of guided us this is where we're at is doing monthly church services. And so we've committed to that for the next year. We're like, this could epically fail. Like, it could go terribly. We don't know.
0: This um, is the Enneagram. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you do could <laughs> epically fail. <laughs>
2: but it could, it could be something different that people are looking for, that it's not your stereotypical church. If you want to go to church, a church service every single Sunday, there's a hundred other churches in Champaign-Urbana that do that. And that's great. But for us, we're like, okay, well, we realize that people only have so much time in the, in the month and in the week. And so we want to make sure that the groups are the most priority because we think that's where growth can really happen. Mm -hmm. Growth can happen in a church service, but it happens so much more. I feel like when you're in a community of people Mm -hmm. and that's, that's kind of how we've figured it out and I definitely thought it was crazy when Nick first brought it up he was like what if we only did the church service once a month I was like um that's heresy and you're terrible but um (laughs) but
1: then
2: then he came up with the idea before the pandemic so I think it was like in February of last year and then March happened and then I was like this might be happening anyways like Uh this definitely where we're leaning towards so
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's a really good combination of things your church service is a little bit more audience you know i'm watching somebody else do something and i might be taking some of that in but i'm not necessarily participating and your groups are very much um in it and wrestling with it together um and then i also for me, I've taken on some more personal Sabbath practices with myself and my family. And so I like that individual component of silence and stillness and rest and communion on a more personal level with God. So um, I think there's a lot of different, I love that philosophy of there's a lot of different ways that church can look like, um, both individually and in community. And um, and I think that's admirable of you to kind of look outside the box or um and see see what other ways it can look like and make that of offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how has tackling this humongous project with so many unknowns um and the challenges of COVID and and just being in a new community there's there's just a lot of uncertainties and unknowns um, how has it affected you individually and a couple how has it affected your marriage your faith your view on leadership and just you as a person
0: well even just as you're asking that question I could feel my heart beating a little faster a little harder like yeah that's just been a real battle all year long is dealing with the uncertainties dealing with uh, the constant change and challenges, um, and so we we kind of take it one step at a time. I don't know if we've we can say as experts that we have figured it out, but you know there there are a couple of practices that we've been doing to just keep ourselves like being centered through it all. You know, every week we'll journal. What are the wins? Where where we see God working? Big and small, you know, we'll write out like, Hey, we played basketball today (laughs) and just played a pickup game of horse. That's a win. (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's fun that we get to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then we have some other just really incredible stories we get to tell of life transformation and little marks of like wow, I think this person is hugely impacted by this ministry. And Mm -hmm. that's incredible. And it it just brings us to the place of like, God is working. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Um, We keep our, um, anytime somebody will text us or maybe post something online that moves us and encourages us a whole lot, um, we'll print it out and tape it up on our wall in our office. So we have a whole big tape. I know your listeners can't, can't see it but
1: oh that's awesome there's about 20 different things that are taped up on the wall big and small that um are our testimonials or are words of praise and encouragement and celebration and how
0: yeah yeah so we've just been working really hard to keep ourselves up and hopeful and mm-hmm. thinking of the possibilities yeah. um you know well, we because have a, I
2: think typically with being like pastors we are like you have a church service. And so after the service, you have somebody come up to you and say, hey, that was really impactful or whatever. We don't have that right now. We don't have that like instant gratification, if that's mm-hmm. the right word, instant encouragement. And so we have to remind ourselves like, okay, people are getting impacted even if we don't feel it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really encouraging. Sorry, I interrupted you.
0: No, no, that's good. Um, a lot of times one of us is lifting the other person up um, it's funny, when we moved to Champaign, I was on Cloud Nine. I was living the dream. Like, I finally get to start a church, and that I get to do it with Hannah. Like, that was a dream of mine to, to go, you know, um, neck and neck. That's not the expression. Um, arm and ch- arm. Arm and arm. <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> I <is> like <competitive.
0: laughs> yeah, yeah, arm and arm was that's, that's the one. Um, it was a dream of mine to be able to do this arm in arm with Hana, and so I was so happy. Like I would end the day thanking Hana that she took this risk with me. And uh, about a month after the pandemic hit, so maybe we come in into April, and for the next maybe six or so months. I was ending the day just stressed and frustrated and in doubting what we we're doing. And so Hannah took notice of that. And she just, <laughs> she called it out in me and, and then she just listed off from some of our journaling and stuff. And she said, we're going to pray and we're going to thank God for everything he's done. And I saw some fire in her. <laughs> she was so like passionate. I mean, bring up all these different doors got it open, all these different relationships that have been so instrumental in, in getting us to where we are and, and bringing life into us or opening up the doors. We need all this stuff. I mean, these things that have happened in the last three years to get us to where we are. It's been so incredible to see that like God is real (laughs) and he is actually moving when it doesn't feel like it. And so Hannah just listed them all off and, and that was something I really needed. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talk a lot about the importance of having a gratitude practice. And so whether it's a daily, you know, one line or, or two yeah. or three things, or like you were saying on a weekly, what went really well, or where did I see God show up? And I've... I love that when you're at your lowest, going back and reading over and calling out, saying out loud those things that you wrote down and remembering them and really, really getting back into that moment, getting back into that feeling, how much you were enjoying that and seeing that. And it can shift your mindset. So good for you, Hannah, (laughs) uh, for... Thinking about that and doing that and being able to lift Nick up. And it's just so incredible that you both work in such partnership that you can reach down when one's down or one's fearful and the other one can pull you up. And, and what a blessing it is to have the two of you together and seeing yeah. how that works.
2: Yeah, it's not always easy, though. I don't want to paint a picture of it. Well, like, no. <laughs> we did a, a video back in like March of, or April of last year that we did our top five fights during quarantine. So
1: maybe we'll link to that to show yeah. the other side, too.
2: <laughs> <I thought> so? <laughs> kind of long. We had fun with it, but... <laughs>
1: But that's cool. And again, you're laying it all out there. Like, here's some great times and times when we we did it right. And then here's some times when we just failed miserably. And here's some <laughs> times that, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's important too, yeah. uh, to show that you're human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in your leadership. I think sometimes our spiritual leaders, we put them on a pedestal and we think that they do no wrong and have no struggles and, uh, have it all together and know exactly what's right and don't struggle with sin and don't struggle with doubt and don't struggle with the same things that we all do. And you're so transparent about the good things and the challenging things. Um, and, and that's real leadership. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I think we're going to close. Um, You've shared some great resources and I'll I'll put links to it in the show notes, um, some of the books that you shared and we'll share a link to some of your cool videos. But where do you see the divine as most alive for you right now? Like right this week, this today, this month? You want to go first?
0: Well, we're, we're just finishing up a series on self-awareness and we were leaning into the Enneagram to kind of help us with that. And, um, Hannah just posted something on our Facebook group about, um, when, you know, you take the personality type you are, and then there's, uh, what you look like when you're in a growth place versus a stressful place. And it was like dead on. And, um, so like leaning into that. Um, so for, for me, if I'm doing well, I can be more, um, easygoing and spontaneous. And, uh, I remember like all of seminary thinking like Hannah wants me to be more spontaneous. I don't have any energy for that. <laughs> I I can't do that. I'm just gonna, you know, put my head down and grudge through all of it and uh this week this last week i've been feeling a little more spontaneous like hey let's go to mcdonald's go con <laughs> just, <you know, laughs> just the little things and i'm like there, i feel good doing it and it kind of put words to like oh that means there's something uh, there, i'm i'm a little healthier right now because of that so mm-hmm. that's really cool to me but then at the same time i've noticed so then the the stressful times the unhealthy personality type um of course like I can get so critical of myself that what it's this internal anger and that's been a lot for me to try to make sense of and process through because I thought it was just stress, but my stress is being expressed in anger and I'm typically not aware of when that's happening. Hannah is so you know of course <laughs> she helps me uh become more self-aware and that, that's I mean she, I don't mean that like as a bad thing that's super helpful like she she helps draw that out of me and helps me know like what's going on but yeah trying to make sense of this internet anger and one other <laughs> another thing that it said for for ones when they're unhealthy is um that they will binge eat and then oh. feel guilty about it later mm-hmm. and um, Wow, pegged me too. Oh,
1: wow. I'm <laughs> uh, huh.
0: thinking of the week before and I was uh, pulling out the pantry, scooping out Nutella straight out of the jar. Uh-huh. And, um, I felt pretty, you know, pretty bad about that.
1: Yeah, no, my husband is a one and the chocolate chips will mysteriously go missing. So yes, I totally understand that. Same. Yes, no. I totally understand that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But that inner critic for the ones can be so loud. And when you're really bad, then the inner critic starts coming out of your mouth too. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah,
0: Yes. So so I guess, uh, you know, where, where God's moving, where um, I forget the exact question, the divine is most alive is uh, teaching me about myself. And, you know, there's a quote from uh, Augustine about, you know, it's a prayer teach me to know myself that I may know you. And mm. uh, I think that's really important. So um, leaning into that, not being so hard on myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, I think for me right now, I'm, I decided a lot of times um, going back to like the women in ministry question um, I've depended on Nick and his seminary degree as like, he knows the Bible. I do the other stuff. Um, and so lately I've been studying the book of Acts and like taking my time through it and like looking at a commentary and figuring out different things about it and like things that I didn't know and then sharing it with Nick and he doesn't know so I feel good about myself and you know like different stuff like that and I just because acts is like the beginning of the church and so I thought that would be appropriate for me as we're starting a church and um that's been really cool to see and just I feel like I'm becoming more empowered through that because I'm like, oh, I can know the Bible and I can know it well. And um, just because I don't have a seminary degree doesn't mean that I can't know it well. And so that's just—I I don't know if that's like inner critic in me or something that told me I couldn't. Um, but I—I'm really excited about this new journey of like studying the Bible for myself instead of. Um, I've done like other like Bible studies before, which I liked. Um, but just like diving in deep has been really cool for me lately. So
1: mm-hmm. that's a challenging one. Sometimes Paul can be a little bit of a jerk. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> morning <laughs>
2: Saturday, he got annoyed at somebody or something. It's fun. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He casts out a demon, not because of compassion, but because he's, he's,
2: Annoying. And it's like I don't know, it's very human. Human, Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So how can people get connected with you all and with Anchor Church if they're intrigued about what you're offering and want to find out more?
0: Of course. Well, we're on Facebook and Instagram, Anchor Church IL, our website, anchorchurchil.com. Uh, but, you know, we, will, we value relationships, so we're welcome to be personal. You can email us either Nick at AnchorChurchIL.com, Hannah at AnchorChurchIL.com.
2: I'm sensing a feed.
0: Yeah. yeah yes. <laughs> or, you know, my number is uh, 262-945-5603. Go ahead and text me. Um, we would love for you to get involved in a group, so I can't speak well enough. We have some of the most amazing group leaders. Um, Please join us for a group. But if you're interested, you might want to like text us, email us, and then we could uh, plan a time to talk, get to know you a little bit. And then, uh, yeah, we'd love for you to get involved in that way.
2: Or we have, we have an email list too. So if that's like too scary, you can get on that. And Nick's actually uh, wrote an ebook this past
1: month, and then he has another one coming out this week. And so you can get that when you sign up for the email list. So Wow, lots of cool stuff, and I'm sure Hana would be happy to have a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. caramel caramel latte. Is that what you said? Caramel latte,
2: vanilla latte. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where's your favorite place to go to get coffee in the in Champagne, Urbana?
2: Um, I really liked Logic. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been here in a while because they were like shut down because of COVID. So then my new favorite place became Aroma Cafe. Hmm. And so I love that they're like partnering together as small businesses. And yeah, it's just fun. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. I love aroma. Espresso, I think is one of my favorites. And my husband and I have been going every Saturday to Art Mart for our Saturday morning coffee date.
2: Good one too. Mm -hmm. I love, I forget about Art Mart sometimes because I Mm -hmm. think it's like a store, but they have coffee too.
1: They have coffee and the best pastries. So you can get Mm -hmm. coffee and flaky croissants and um, good spousal conversation. Uh Uh huh. Yeah, they don't even charge you extra or anything.
2: (laughs) We bought cheese there for a date night one time. I remember. (laughs) They have cheese too.
1: (laughs) They do have cheese and wine and charcuterie if you're into that, and all sorts of treats. Good places to get cards and gifts too.
2: Yeah, they have Mm -hmm. so much. I love that. It's like four stores in one. I
1: feel. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me and with our audience this morning and just opening up yourselves and your hearts and and sharing and laughing. This was just so much fun talking with you and and I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks thank for having you us. Very much. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk soon and and if you're interested in Anchor Church or learning more about Nick and and Hannah and their journey and their thoughts and, and all the wonderful inspiration and knowledge that they have to share, definitely reach out to them because you won't be disappointed and you can have cool talks like this too. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation. Or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.